0: Welcome to the FemNation Podcast, where we wholeheartedly believe women entrepreneurs can rise together. Success comes in many flavors. There are no secret strategies. Women entrepreneurs are rewriting history by defining success on their own terms. Hi, I'm White Dev the down-to-earth chick with a different name entrepreneur and founder of the Female Entrepreneur Movement, our business is dedicated to helping women start and grow their businesses, increasing financial independence. Each week, join me for inspiring stories and powerful interviews of women entrepreneurs sharing their lessons to success to help you take your business to the next level. Now, let's go for it. Welcome back, Fim Nation. Today, my guest is Sherilyn Decker. She's a speaker, writer, coach, and spiritual director. Her signature process has helped hundreds of women turn their struggles into a source of strength to propel them forward and not hold them back. And boy, do we know about that in Fim Nation. Sherilyn believes that it's only when we face our challenges that we can take back control and triumph over them. For the past 15 years, she has helped hundreds of women not just survive their trials, but use them, learn from them, and find confidence and peace so they can empower and uplift
1: others. Thank you for coming on the show today, Sharon. Oh, thank you, White Dove. This is so exciting, and thank you for your Fem Nation audience for having me. This is just so powerful.
0: Excellent. Let's start with the main question and go into all the things. Where did your entrepreneurial journey begin and how did it get you to where you are today?
1: Yeah. So I will just say that, you know, it started with a phone call. I remember very clearly that very cold February morning when my boss called and he says, I'm sorry, Sherilyn, but your position is eliminated. And I collapsed in my chair And, you know, just in my office at home and I was heavy, salty tears, just streaming down my face, streaking mascara all over my cheeks. And just in an instant, my job was gone and everything just started to break loose. And it was the biggest trial that my life, my marriage, my family had ever faced. And I sat there with endless questions such as like, how will I get through this? Will we, how can we pay the bills? Is it going to be okay? How do I know? Like, how do you really know it's going to be okay when, when, when a crisis just hits like that? And I found myself paralyzed, completely frozen in fear. And I lost a grip on everything. I lost who I was, my life, my finances. I was just a hot mess. And I sat there in, the, in my chair and realized that this was not the way forward for me that climbing the corporate ladder, working for someone else was not what my life was going to be about. And so over the next five years, really began to jump into the entrepreneurial journey and everything changed. Where I lived changed, where I worked, you know, um, began working for myself. My friends changed who I began, you know, who I began having conversations with. And even the things I thought about myself, Um, it impacted my faith, what I believed about God, and even how I prayed. It all just changed in that one moment with that one phone call with my boss. Mm.
0: So tell me then, how did that propel you into the journey of creating where you are now? Because we all know as entrepreneurs, there's an evolution process to it. And so what you start out with doesn't exactly, uh, isn't, isn't where you are right now because you learn um, by ups and downs and trials and, and figuring it out in the entrepreneurial journey. So when you started that journey, what propelled you to, to decide to create what you have now and how you help women now?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. Thank you. I think it was really the process of the mess that I had to unravel for myself and realize that deep inside, there really is a warrior. And I had to discover how to overcome those things. I had to discover how to fight back. I had to discover how to handle all of the chaos that was spinning in my life from all of those things. And so when I look back, that not only was the catalyst, but that being laid off was the best thing that happened to me. And through that process of realizing that I had to put all these pieces together, it ended up forming into a process That I was like, oh my goodness, this could work. And then I would just come alongside my neighbor or my friend who got laid off or um, the loss of a parent or the loss of a child, heaven forbid, you know, or something like that. People were coming to me just because I walked through something and they saw me walk through it and as friends. And then they were like, hey, can you help me with that? And so that's kind of how it started where we were like, okay, we've got to just do more than survive this. We need to learn from it. And then we need to be able to find our peace and our confidence so we can get that breakthrough, not just for ourselves. The key to that is, you know, helping other people do it. Because so I can't serve the world, but my neighbor can serve their neighbor and their friends. And then it just becomes a, a movement of people. And that's really what you have. You have a nation, a fem nation of women who are helping serve one another so we can all do, be our best selves and serve other people. Uh, absolutely. And that's the,
0: that's really ultimately how you make change. And that's how you mm-hmm. change people's lives and, and finding, finding what that drive and that purpose is, is also fulfilling in the entrepreneurial journey. Yes. So what is one big, huge obstacle
1: that you had to overcome in the entrepreneurial struggle? Mm, that's so good. So the biggest thing was my words. If I were to put my, process into a framework, it would be called ROAR, R-O-A-R. And so I would just say that, you know, it starts with learning how to unleash your ROAR. And the first R would stand for respond. I have to be able to learn how to respond well. And when a crisis hits, when trials hit, when struggles, you know, begin to tighten around us, we just want to scream. We want to get angry. We want to get all mouthy. We want to grumble and complain. And I mean, in what we're facing right now is the world. We want to be afraid. We want to be worried and anxious. And all of these emotions You know, kind of come up. But what what I was reminded of over and over and over is how Proverbs tells us the tongue speaks life or death. Mm. And so there's so much power in our words, life or death. I mean, that's wow. And then Paul cautions us in Philippians 2 4 not to grumble or complain, but it's so easy to get caught in that trap and get our frustrations off of our chest. But until we realize that our words either help or hurt our circumstances. And so we have to look at what's happening. And we have to, instead of responding out of anger or worry or anxiety or complaining, we just focus on something else that will cause our circumstances to change. And while that feels like you can actually cause your circumstances to change, that feels so lofty and impossible. What I found was the word of God really was my source. And when I found God's promises and what he said about me and my problems, that he was going to be my provider, I had no job. Who else was going to provide for me? So I had to find what God's word said about that and then really hold on to it and not just, okay, that's great. I'll put the verse on a sticky note on my mirror where I put on my makeup or in the kitchen where I have my coffee. No, I had to actually begin speaking it and repeating it over and over and over because that's the opposite of the, that's the life part of our tongue. That's the life part of our words. Because really, I do believe that what we say to our circumstances either has the power to, you know, change them or get us stuck there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so what, uh, what's the rest of that process, that ROAR process?
1: Yeah. So the, the O would be, stand for overcome obstacles. And we do that by recognizing that we are equipped with everything that we need and the obstacles didn't surprise God and my layoff didn't surprise him. And he already equipped me with things innately. He already gave me gifts and strengths that I already had to get over those things that happened. And so it's, it's sure things happen, crisis hits. And we're like, you know, how am I ready for this? And God's like, girl, you've got this. I've made you ready. And so really it came down to my faith. And so let me put some skin on that because, you know, Our faith allows us to, uh, when when Paul describes the shield of faith, he describes it as, he describes it as a a weapon, as a shield. And he says that the shield of faith can extinguish all the flaming arrows that come at us. And so that means that these are flaming arrows. So back in like medieval times, if they were using flaming arrows, you could see them coming. And so God just kind of said, hey, you can see this coming. And I could go sit back and I could be like, I could see all the different ways that he prepared for us, that he began to to um, give us a nudge about putting savings together. That he began to give me a nudge about you know dissatisfaction where I was, and I just thought it was just you know me being unhappy with not getting a promotion or something. But all these little things showed me that he actually was preparing me along the way that there was a shift that was going to happen. And so, let me tell you about my my friend Karen. Um, she's somebody that I worked with in one of my programs, and she. Um, She was so frustrated with her boss. She felt he asked her to do something and then he didn't get what he wanted. And so he was mad because she didn't deliver on his expectations, but he asked her over a text message. He didn't call. He didn't stop by her office. He sent her this very vague text, but she didn't know what it meant. And so we were over a video conference and I remember seeing that she was super irritated by this exchange. So I asked her, where did you get caught? Where was the trap? Because that's what happens. Sometimes things come into our life and it camouflages the trap. And then we, we hear these voices of blame. It's their fault. It's their fault. And then we feel all the guilt and the shame. But we don't necessarily see how we got in that trap in the first place. But if we can see the trap, then we can spot it again. It's the concept of these flaming arrows. If we can see them coming at us, then we can realize that our faith can Um, that our faith can work. And so, you know, pivoting back to this faith piece, when we say that faith can extinguish all of these flaming arrows, then that just means that whenever God says he will do something for us, when he gives us a promise, when he says, I will defend you, I will cover you, I will protect you, I will provide for you. We take those promises from the respond and we really, really hold on to them tightly. Like almost like they're a shield that we kind of put in front of us. And we believe, we absolutely believe that um, God will do what he says he will do. And that's the power of the faith. It says that even though I can't see how this is changing right now, I have the hope. I have the hope that God will do what he says he will do.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's how we overcome those obstacles. We we have to pivot our fear. We have to pivot our anxiety. We have to pivot our our anger even and place it right in God's hands and say, I know you've got this. I know you've got me. And you will see me through this, and that's how we overcome the obstacle. So that's the O piece, and um, yeah, so that that was really powerful in helping me move forward.
0: Absolutely, and, and so much of that understanding what those arrows, those flaming arrows, are, then you can you can be proactive about it. But there's also the component of not being uh, not being forthright and in, in trying to discern and, and figure out what those flaming arrows are. It is our responsibility to overcome where we're at, to be able to get to that point and lean on our faith and lean on what it is that, that is a little more, um, internally based in the external perspective to be able yes. to see what those are coming at us. So then we can address them when they do come. And right. it's, it's very much, um, very much being prepared. You know, not Mm -hmm. prepared for a scenario or a circumstance or a crisis or uh, changes outside of our control. It's being prepared internally to Mm -hmm. be able to overcome those those things as they come up because they will come up. They will show up differently for everyone and in different ways as we're meant to evolve in our personal life, our growth. But we will have those and so how we react to them and how we overcome them really becomes the a basis for how we move through this world
1: yes that's right and then we the other piece to that would be the the a part of the roar which is applying what we've learned in other seasons because there's lessons that we all learn with what we face that unless we'd learn that lesson we're going to be faced with that same person with that same personality with that same pattern of circumstances until we realize oh wait I need to look at this differently and find the lesson it tells me, because when I find the lesson, then I can avoid it in the future. And those buttons don't empower me anymore. There's this great scene in the movie elf. It's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie where he's in the elevator. He's super excited and he lights up all the buttons. And there's this guy in there who's like, I've got to go to every floor, but it didn't affect him. He just sat there and he didn't get all angry. He didn't grumble. He didn't say anything. He just sat there knowing he was going to have to ride the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. Those buttons weren't pushed. And in our, the same thing in our own life, we can get to a place where we realize, "Ooh, that pushed my buttons. And we can apply what we've learned from that particular button pusher, if you will, and say, okay, um, how do I do this differently so that that doesn't affect me anymore?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's the R? Oh yeah. Yeah. So the last (laughs) R is revealing our story to others. And that's what you do through this podcast is you're sharing other people's stories with other people so that we can all learn from one another. Because, you know, we all want to believe that we we have to wait until our circumstances, our trials are over until we actually share what's happening. Mm. But the Bible says really strongly that we overcome the enemy with the word of our testimony. And the word testimony means do it again. And so if I can overcome or I can walk through a layoff and it's messy and it's dirty and it's filthy, but my neighbor sees that I walk through it in such a way that they're like, I don't know how you do that. See, when when we do, when we walk through something, when we expose what we're doing, and it's exposed sounds like such a negative word, but Mm. when we're vulnerable with what's happening and we share our struggles, even in the midst of it, we give people hope. Because what what happens is the brain creates video memories, and if we can all a good example of this is we can all remember scenes from a movie we've seen, and um, whether it was last week or even as a child, and we can replay the entire scene over and over in our brain. Well, our our testimonies do that for other people. And so what we end up doing is we, if when you share your struggle and how you overcame that, what you learned from it, how you overcame the obstacles, the promises of God that you held onto, that creates a video memory in someone else's brain. Mm -hmm. And then when they listen to my story, it does the same thing. And so then when they're faced with a crisis, their brain... Did it automatically it created all of these memories like a card catalog in the brain and they're like, oh I want to overcome this like white dove. I want to overcome this like Sherilyn. I want to overcome this by you know um Someone else or there's also the memories of aunt so-and-so who we swore we would never be like that reaction That negativity that whatever is in our brain too And so we get to then choose how we overcome that but unless we're revealing our story to other people and giving them hope that they can overcome some similar things um, and giving and helping them understand how we did it then um, i mean it really it's really powerful to give people an opportunity to hold on to that and i think the the challenge is we think we have to wait until it's over so
0: we so don't. true we don't have to and we do try to do that because we think once we get through this then we can share how we got through it but it's it, it's it's not the solution it's the process exactly so much of it is the process and just like you're saying giving we are meant to be the catalyst for our testimony being shared to somebody else but if we do not step into sharing it and letting letting it filter and land to who it was meant to like the listeners of this podcast mm-hmm. i create the space for women to have the entrepreneurial journey to share their story. I am not, you know, sitting there saying it's got to go to this person or it's got to go to this person or it's got to go to this person. I create the space for it. And that's simply the only thing I am meant to do is create the space and create an opportunity to share the stories. Mm-hmm. It There will be people that come along, women that come along and listen to a particular episode that they were meant to listen to at that particular time to where it's going to help them on their journey. But that was not my doing. My, my responsibility was just to set the, the platform and spread the testimonies. Now with that, what happens so often is that we don't share the testimony. We don't share the struggle and navigating the process, not navigating the solution. Right. When we do that, we are stopping somebody either now or in the future from being able to have something to reference that they needed to hear from your testimony, the women on the Femination Podcast testimony in order to overcome that. So we have as a brother's keeper type scenario that we have a responsibility to share these
1: mm-hmm.
0: because we cannot stop the future people from hearing them so they can learn. Cause, cause in all honesty, God will direct people to where solutions and answers that they can find are. And it's the strangest thing to see people from another country email me something about a podcast episode they listened to how did they find it how did they right. find that particular right. one why did it land when we were connect we were disconnected by miles and miles and seas and oceans you know so mm-hmm. it's it's not our job to overthink that and we think small we think right. so small because we think, think in terms of our immediate circle but the impact that we can make by stepping into being bravely bold in that unpredictable unknown area to just Share the process. Yeah. It's so pivotal for so many people. And that's what you do. That's,
1: I mean, your mm. roar is perfect for that. It's perfect, <laughs>
0: perfect, perfect, perfect. I love. And I uh, love acronyms.
1: Uh, yeah, it's powerful. And, you know, you, you hit right on, you hit it right on with the responsibility. If our stories and testimony seems faithy, if that's even a word. Yes. But if we think of it as the, the, the word, the root word of that, the root meaning of that is do it again. So if you walk through something and you have success and your story can provide hope and inspiration to me, then I have a responsibility. I'm selfish unless I share with you that I, I might have a key to helping you get through your stuff faster. Because that's really all it's about is tapping into the fact that, hey, I made tons of mistakes along the way, learn from me, or hey, I actually did something right and it put me in the fast lane. Mm-hmm. And we, and so if we look at it as not just, okay, you know, yes, God came through, yes, God delivered, but even for the people who are not of faith, who are listening to your podcast, it's about the story. It's, I mean, and here we are, we have to sit, you know, six feet away from each other in this whole social distancing scenario that we're under as, um, you know, as part of a guidance to overcome some things. And, and then if we, but we can still sit in our driveway and have a conversation with our neighbor and be like, how are you walking through this? well, this is what's helped me. The same way we tell people what stores think that you know they can find supplies in during this mm-hmm. time, we can still share our stories. They, this is how I'm overcoming this. This is how this is working for me. This is how I'm schooling my kids while I'm trying to be an entrepreneur and hold down a job and make sure that doesn't fall apart and keep my family sane um, in all of this time. We share those stories of how things are working so that we can help over- other people overcome it. Because mm-hmm. if testimony really means do it again, it doesn't mean it's going to happen the same way for all of us. It just gives us all kinds of ways that it can set us up for breakthrough. And that's the powerful part about the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It so only important. works when we can learn from, our, learn from you know, what we've walked through. Right. And again, holding on to the responsibility, we
0: do have a responsibility to our fellow, our fellow humans. Yeah, that and we, we, it's not for us to be directed, um, in our own human
1: thinking, how far that story is meant to go, right? That's exactly right. And and we never know how many people will listen to you know podcast episode and they'll have just had a conversation with their neighbor, their sister, their friend, and being like, I just heard this podcast. I mean, I received a text message this morning from my best girlfriend who's like, Hey, I just heard this. This sounds so so like you. And then that's how your message gets shared, your podcast gets shared, because you created a format, a powerful platform for people to share their stories that can have a ripple effect that you don't even see. It is the unseen.
0: It <laughs> so much is. <laughs> and we always have to step ourselves out of it. It's a human nature to see and try to be in ultimate control in our, our uh, very, very small thinking in the broad thinking of all, you know, so it's funny yeah, I want to ask you, um I want to go back just a little bit on your entrepreneurial journey. What was uh, what what accomplishment are you most proud of in your journey?
1: I am most proud of how I stumble and stand back up. Mm. Because a lot of being an entrepreneur is not knowing how to do something. And and my, I think learning through trials and learning through struggles has set me up for that because I didn't know how to walk through my layoff. I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how to do a lot of this stuff. And it's really just about saying, okay, who can I learn from? Whose story? Whose education can I get? Who can be my mentor here? who can be my guide. And so when I do something and do it well, yes, I'm absolutely proud. And you know, you pulled off a powerful summit, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there's tons of learning in that. And so when, but when I feel like I stumble and I struggle and I fall flat on my face in front of people, sometimes even I can just pick myself up and be like, okay, that didn't go the way I wanted to go. And then just not take it personally. That's been the hard part is to not let it be. One of the things that I learned from my story is how much of a people pleaser I was. And I learned that I was all about, that I cared about performance. I cared about what other people thought. And you can't when you're an entrepreneur. You just can't. Sometimes you just have to figure it out. And that means messing up. And it's okay to mess up. And it's okay to say, I don't have the answers, but I bet you somebody I know does. And being vulnerable enough to say, I need help. Who who has, whose story, whose testimony has the answer that I can tap into? Did you find along your entrepreneurial
0: journey that as you started moving in the direction of accepting that to a degree, it helped you to overcome uh, a lot of the overthinking of the stumbling?
1: Yeah, because sometimes you just have to pivot so fast. You don't have time to even uh, to even reflect on it until after you're like, oh, wow, I actually Overcame that, and then there's. I mean, there's still things that creep in. I still hear the voices of, you know, being an imposter. Or I still hear the voices of fear. But I sure. have learned to recognize it as not my own. I have learned to recognize that sometimes my thoughts and the emotions that kind of creep in are liars. And so I have to tap into. Okay, go back to those promises. This is not who I am. This is not. I was created to help these women, and if I don't have the resource, I have to find somebody that does. Um, You know, and and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of relieved a lot of the pressure. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. What, what areas or how do you define success for your clients or for you?
1: Yeah, it's gotta be peace. If I don't have peace about something, then it doesn't matter how wonderful it might look on paper. It doesn't, um, it matter how much money it might make. If I don't have peace about it, it's not successful because it just means I'm stepping into a place that I don't belong either. I'm, It's not my time. Mm. Um, and so I really had to lean into peace. And that comes in all of my decisions. It comes in house shopping with my husband. If we don't have peace over it, it's not the right place. And so it's really had to come down to when I'm faced with chaos when I'm faced with struggle, when I'm faced with trial, when I'm faced with not knowing something in my entrepreneurial journey, I'm guided by my peace. If I don't have that stability of, okay, I feel like this is the right next step, then there's a big pause that happens because I just know that I can't, I can't do it without that peace. So that would be the definition of success for me.
0: Yeah, I feel that for sure because there, no, money, no amount of money in the world... Um, and and a lot of times, uh, a lot of entrepreneurial ventures start or have heavy thinking towards the financial component of it, because obviously we need to make money somehow. Um, but freaking out about how we make the money and just trying to, you know, jump into how we're going to monetize our entrepreneurial venture um, ends up through the course of who we become as an entrepreneur. It ends up toning down to needing to be peaceful because... No amount of money it doesn't matter if you hit six figures five figure months, seven figures it doesn't matter if it's not right and it's not peaceful and you don't feel a hundred percent connected to what it is you're doing it's
1: not gonna matter right and there's so many things that are connected to that when I after I lost my job I was given the opportunity to to interview for the job of a lifetime. I was pretty much told it was mine. It would have been a faculty position at an Ivy League school. And I would have been like, oh my gosh. But the commute would have been horrible. There was no public transportation. I would have been in at least two hours in traffic each way away from my family. All for what? For Mm -hmm. status. Mm -hmm. And I had to come face to face with status is not success for me. And that doesn't, and so it had, to, and then it all came down to where are my values and my value is peace. And if I had had that job and known there wouldn't have been peace in my house, there wouldn't have been presence with me as a parent. I wouldn't have been able to influence my kids. I wouldn't have been able to have relationship with my husband with that kind of ask of me at the time. Could it mm. be, a, you know, later in the future? Maybe. But at that particular time, it absolutely did not give me any peace because it didn't check the boxes of would it cause peace in this area?
0: Right. And here's the thing too, is that we can ultimately go after the external measures of success. We, can, we, are, we are free to choose to chase oh. those, but at the same time, it is at the expense of the other. And so in, in order to make sure that we are in that peaceful alignment, we have to internally have that checks and balance for ourselves, yeah. which is extremely important uh, and gets overlooked in the early stages of entrepreneur. Uh, Ventures, it really does because it's not the first thing thought. But as we chase those things and as we meet those goals and we cruise along and, and maybe hit particular benchmarks that externally seem like the ones that we should do, as we do that, we start realizing that it's not. And so the journey itself will give us the opportunity to start going internally, start becoming much more conscious of the peaceful aspect of what it is we're searching for. It will come. It will come to any entrepreneur out there. And if it hasn't yet, and they just haven't connected the dots, that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's the struggle.
1: Yeah. And the entrepreneur journey very much will reveal your character. We'll oh, be what's important yes. to you? How you respond to things? How you treat other people? And if we, you know, are making those right decisions based on that, you know, strength of who we are as an, as a person, right. then we'll be a, we'll show up in the world much better. And then we won't have to worry about where the money comes from. It will just come because it we're will. in we're coming from a place of serving. And that's hard as a beginning entrepreneur to be like, yeah, but I don't have the you know I don't have the money to pay for whatever I need to pay for. But it really comes down to then that becomes a place of where truly my provision comes from.
0: Absolutely. So talk to me about what it is that would be one tip or one thing that you would want the listeners to take away from today. And it could be that it's the roar that you brought to the table, which is powerful in itself. But I want to remind them of what that is or um, let them know what that tip is for them to take away today.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the response. We all have this gut reaction of how we respond to circumstances. Um, And I think if I could impart anything to your audience that I want a, you know, I want your Fem Nation to roar and be able to respond to their circumstances in the right way. And I would love to give them the five declarations that I started with that I still use to this day. I mean, they're folded up, they're crinkled. You can tell that, you know, they've been open. The piece of paper has been opened so much. I'd love to give that to them and I'll provide you with that link so that you can share it with them. It's just the five declarations. Now they're very faith-based. I'm going to be absolutely honest about that, but there's power in the words. And if we realize that these are the words are going to speak life over our circumstances and not death, then we begin, after we get into a habit of repeating these things, we begin to see our thought patterns change and we are less likely to dip into those negative things, those negative responses that That anger, even the complaining and the grumbling, because we've infused our words with so much power that we're like, oh wow, that actually makes a difference when the words land in a way that can create and speak life into something than when it tears it down. Builders rather than breakers. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, that's powerful. Definitely, uh, would love to have that available for them. And guys, that will be linked in the show notes, so check that out for sure when you're listening to this episode. Sherlyn, how can the audience connect with you?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. So there's a few ways. They can visit my website, um, They can contact me through Facebook. My uh page is Coach Sherilyn. Um, and then, you know, I'm somewhat on Instagram, but you know, it's I quite haven't yet figured that out yet. So it's just kind of a, you know, we're just dipping our toes in. Um, so those are the two main places, my website and then through Facebook.
0: Excellent. One last question before we wrap it up today. How has the entrepreneurial
1: journey changed you? Oh my goodness. So let me just tell you that when my husband and I moved to Colorado, probably four years ago, we were determined to do things different. We were determined to live on just his income. We were determined to, um, you know, not let what happened to, to, to us in the past by being a dual income family really kind of um, set us up for setback. when. You know, my job wasn't going to be um, something that we were going to be relying on. And then not even, we hadn't even been here three months when his pay was cut. Mm. And so here we were faced with very similar to what we were faced with before. But I will tell you that what um, collapsed me into my chair in a puddle of tears the first time didn't do that this time because I had a confidence. I knew we had gotten through the trial once and that we would get through it again. So instead of sitting in my chair with like mascara stained face, I actually laid on the couch and I took a nap. I mean, I took a nap because we knew that we'd gotten through it once. We knew that the framework of figuring out who our provider is and standing on those promises of recognizing what we've learned and applying those lessons, we realized that we have come through it, that we had um, we could face anything. We just had an unshakable faith, just because we'd seen it. And it's something different when you have seen it happen in your own life. That when you're faced with it again, you have the choice to do it different. And our choice, we were able to do it and walk empowered. And that has set us up. I mean, it's just it's just been so powerful. Um, even for friends and family who are part of the journey, when they when we call them, we're like, Yeah, so his pay was cut, and they're like, Oh dear, but like no we're in a great place because we just have this confidence because God did it once. He'll do it again. And we had our own testimony to tap into because that's really what it's about. It's reminding ourselves, he did this for me before. He'll do it for me again. Or if I don't have an example of him doing it for me, then he did it for White Dove and he'll do it for me. Or he did it for Sally or he did it for my neighbor or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it changed. It really did flip. Um, very similar circumstance. I mean, he didn't lose his job, but we lost a significant portion right. of his pay. Um, and, you know, and he hasn't gotten that back, but we've been able to navigate and God's been able to provide. Mm-hmm.
0: Your resilience is contagious,
1: my friend. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much.
0: I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your story and sharing your amazing ability to overcome for the listeners to be able to use that in their lives as it applies. So, thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, White Dev, And your entire Fem Nation audience, I just want to hear you roar. You know, when you do, just, you know, drop me a note and let me know that the, you know, that the framework is working for you because I just, you know, I'm just going to be so encouraged because your stories are worth sharing. Absolutely.
0: Guys, I want to continue to remind you that the show notes carry some really cool things and definitely a connection to Sherilyn, who is amazing. And we've been connected through some mutual uh, groups and learning and mastermind stuff. And it's been so fun to get to know really powerful women such as yourselves to be able to continue to share the stories. And as always, keep moving forward. Thanks for listening to the Fem Nation podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes for more details from the episode. If you love the show, share it with a friend or drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you over at whitedevganon.com or find me on social media. Until next time, keep moving forward.